This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woebegone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woebegone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woebegone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woebegone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun! And see you later. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Magnus Archives. Hello. I'm technically your host today, Me too. I guess. Well, yeah, we're co-hosting, but... We uh, are your hosts. Okay, we are your hosts, I guess. Uh, So this is Alex and Johnny, and what we are doing today is we are going to be giving some commentary on a number of clips that have been selected by members of the company as their favourites for being either weird or funny or whatever. We don't know what they are. It's a director's commentary with me, the writer, and whatever Alex is. Also here, that's me. What will be interesting is we're commentating on a podcast to ourselves. We'll see how that goes. Commentarientating. Thank you. Yes. So we'll we'll see how this goes. We have no idea what these clips are. So these are going to be quite cold opens from us, and I suspect I probably won't even recognise a couple of them at first. So I'm relying on your encyclopedic knowledge, Johnny. You are misinformed about your complete how often I have actually knowledge. listened to these episodes. <laughs> 
On my third knock, the door swung inwards ever so slightly, and I realised it was not locked. There is little in my life that I regret quite as much as going inside. So which episode is it, Johnny? I pushed the door open as much I as I could. I don't know, could. there's a lot of knocking on doors in this series. There <laughs> some sort of resistance behind it. The smell would have been overpowering, but by there's this point smell. I was almost used to it and fought down the nausea. There was no light. It must be about Tim inside, then, right? And I fumbled on the wall. Oh, it's... She's just popped it. with the all the worms. I flicked it on. I realised I felt something... Is that it? ...soft and yeah. wet on the Yeah, wall it's another sex time. squirm. Unfortunately, before I had a chance to fully comprehend what I was feeling... She's I turned meat, on the light ...and saw Toby Carlyle's flat oh. in its entirety. No, you're right. It's She hasn't popped. It's, it's meat, pal. You were right. Can't believe this. It's fine. I looked right around off the bat. And saw that every surface, the wall, okay, okay, so meat flat. For no, okay, okay. Me. I, it's I called need meat you, flat, right? I, yes, but I need you to say meat apartment because it really sounds like you're saying meat flat. <laughs> okay, meat apartment then. Meat apartment. So that's season one, right? Yeah. That's early season one, in fact. I think it's like episode. I want to say sixteen or eighteen. The man upstairs. Okay, so at this point we realised that we might have a show that a few people might listen to. This was still one of the very early ones that I conceived of, and I know this because I definitely came up with it when I was actually living in a flat, which I actually moved to my current house shortly after the series started, which is weird because you then moved in just across the road from where I had been living. (laughs) Always like ships in the night, never in a convenient way. I was really quite pleased with this idea in the sense that I really liked the idea of leaning on, like, processed animal meat. Because so often it's like, oh, it's human bodies. Like, no, it's just meat. Where meat shouldn't be. So this was definitely, you were still in Yurt 1.0, I think, at this point. So Oh, yeah, classic Yurt. So for anyone who doesn't know, Johnny is recording this episode holding a lapel mic, if I remember correctly. I think we, we attached it right from the off. But the attachment broke, don't you remember? For a while I had to tape oh, it basically to you, and we were holding it at various points because we had to do, like, away from mic stuff. And you were under a blanket on a sofa with a clothes horse basically on your lap, I think, to record this episode. Was this one in James Ross's apartment, or yeah. was it... Yeah, it was. It wasn't in your flat pre-asbestos. Gosh, no, no, no. We'd already recorded this come launch, give or take, and launch was happening while I was homeless. Right. I just remember that, like, this being the first episode where I was like, oh, Alex is going to let me be as gross as I want. <laughs> as long as you don't swear. How to, yeah, with this episode, I'll confess, some of them speak more than others. This one spoke to me. It was a really good example of the horror where, yes, technically the pile opens its eye at one point, I think, and gives a bit of a blink. Yeah, there is technically a monster. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like, technically. But you could have had exactly the same story without that, and it would still be super scary. It just wouldn't have that one extra tiny little element. But it's always that one extra little element that codified so many of early Magnus episodes. Listening to it now, there is a, just the smallest hint of just disappointment in myself that I didn't return to Meat Pile. You know? Because, like, I set up that monster, but like a lot of hooks in the early season, it didn't actually get picked up. It didn't actually get, end up going anywhere. No, Meat Pile did. Meat Pile grew up big and strong and ended up in a hole, eating everything that came along. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, no. Like, I mean, hole full of meat was, like, an evolution of Meat Pile, but, like, Meat Pile as monster. I don't know. Hello, I'm Jeffrey Meat Pile, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I, I feel like it could have gone further. When I went to the classroom shortly after what should have been their final tutorial... Oh, yeah. I found oh. something on the desk. It was an apple. Next to it was a handwritten Bone note. Bone apple teeth. Yeah. Thank you for teaching us the insides. I figured we'd get this one. I burned the note, just in case. And the oh, apple. Season one music. Did you eat it? Do I look like an idiot? Of course not. I cut it in half first to check if it was off. And human teeth. Great performance. Inside were human teeth. I assume you're talking about me, so thank you. Oh, sorry, yeah, great performance, and you're there. I brought you the two halves (laughs) to see for yourselves. Oh, good lord. That's (laughs) deeply unpleasant, yes. You can keep it if you want. 
Yeah, it's a proof we do not want it. I'm afraid it isn't really Gosh, proof. Season one, you're so arch. Stuck those teeth in after the apple had been cut. Do you think I would do that? I the actor for Doctor Doctor What's His Face. You know, Dr. What's-His-Face. Yeah, Dr. What's-His-Face. I remember Dr. What's-His-Face. He's a very good friend of mine called Martin. In fact, the character Martin is sort of lazily half-named after. (laughs) Really fun recording, because obviously Martin does acting and voice acting and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And he's great to work with. But I just remember bringing him in, and like we did a recording, and Alex just looked so dour and said, we can't use any of this. And we were like, what? Did we do something wrong? There are performances not scratch. And Alex was like... When you are recorded, the two of you sound identical. Oh, yeah! It was almost like there was speech jamming happening. You could not tell the difference at all because his slightly dour voice was your archivist voice. Yeah, it was so weird because, like, to hear us in person, you wouldn't have said that we sounded... Like, we're both middle-class young white guys and we don't sound massively dissimilar, I guess, but it certainly doesn't feel like the same voice. But apparently when recorded, just the specific tones that get stripped out. It's because as well, in the early days of Magnus, we were using a slightly different EQ. And that's because, here's a trade secret. So for Magnus, we actually just use the default telephone EQ for Audacity. But we add like extra compression and blah, 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 blah. But what that meant is it, it strips out the extreme bass and the extreme treble. And for the two of you, that just meant there was, <laughs> there was nothing left that wasn't just the archivist. Yeah. It's actually one of the reasons that Martin's pitched up at my end is because I end up getting lost in the shuffle as well if I don't pitch up a little bit. But you've got to remember that this is early days and that those defaults have shifted and so on, which is why it's a little bit of a fuller sound now. I just remember feeling a bit sorry for Martin because he was having to put on this sort of weird, slightly higher voice than he normally would. I did ask him to up-register, didn't I? Yeah, and like periodically throughout the recording, you'd have to just stop it and be like, we just need to reset the voice because it would gradually like normalise as he got more comfortable with the lines. Better that than slowly creeping upwards, right? And then I found an apple and then there were teeth in there. <laughs> the problem was him getting comfortable with the lines, so every time he got comfortable, you were like, you need to stop doing that. I mean, that's directing vocals for Magnus 101. I'm sorry you seem to be, you know, anything other than uncomfortable. <laughs> Let's go again. He was such a good sport as well. Oh, he's Because great. he was an early guest, an early guest. It really was like, cool, yeah, thank you so much for coming. We're really, really happy to have you. Get under the blanket. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a reason that all our early guests were, like, just our mates. It's largely that, and also, you know, we, we, we couldn't pay them back then so you know (laughs) i forget it's easy to lose track of how far it's come yeah like so many of those early vas are just like i did some improv with or like we acted a bunch in uni is great a few of writers i shared a course with are in here as well dotted around yeah i used to pick at my skin it was a compulsion yeah i would spend hours in the bathroom staring as close as i could get to my face in the mirror searching for darkened pores to squeeze and watch the congealed oil worm its way out of my skin. Often I would end with swollen red marks where it had become inflamed with irritation or infection. Gross. Did I hear the song then? Was it when I was a child? Such a clear memory of a classmate telling me a blackhead was a hole in my face, and if I didn't keep it clean it would grow and rot. Did I hear it then? Has that image lodged in my mind forever? Or was it last year? Passing by a strip of green they call a park near my house after the rain. And watching a hundred worms crawl and squirm to the surface. Perhaps I've always heard it. I do remember telling you on that recording, enjoy it more. I am, I am enjoying it. No, 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 like, sound like you're enjoying it more. There was a hard limit, actually, to how much I could enjoy this one, but it kind of is also the reason that it, it works as it does. This episode was written roughly three hours before it was recorded. Uh, it was finished roughly three hours before it was recorded at about four in the morning, and I had not slept for a long time because... I hadn't learned to manage my writing time properly in season one, so often I would be like finishing up the episodes just before leaving to go to recording. 
you have no idea how hard it is to direct a script blind. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, you know, on the other hand, sometimes it did work. Like, I don't think Hive would have been as good if I had been fully rested. There's another one that did well by that, and it's the one where I can't sleep with the bill. Yeah, that was fatigue. Yeah, fatigue, that was it. That's not me condoning it, by the way. That's just me saying fatigue is another one that had that feel to it. To be fair, for fatigue, that was actually kind of a deliberate thing. I'd kind of put myself in that position intentionally to get that slightly dreamlike sense. Yeah. This one was, let's call it a happy accident. See, I really miss the Jane Prentice stuff because... So, we changed how we did the music. At first, in season one, we had a a slate of music done, and then we cross-faded between them. But there was too much progression in it. It swells up and blah, 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 Mm. built in. Which at first was great because it was built to last at the standard runtime, but unfortunately, as things went on, we ended up having to bend and stretch and scrape it and crossfade so much that it actually became a headache. But later seasons are a bit more static drones, so they're as complex, but they don't have the progression. But for Jane Prentice and for the Piper, I got to use two of the tracks that we rarely get a chance to use anymore. One which has a real dirty sort of. To it, and the other one is the creepy one because they all had these names where it was just like creepy one, threat four, <laughs> and creepy one was just the Piper's tune, which is a sort of like, and I just I miss the season one ones. I occasionally have sneaked them in where I can, but for season five they've just not really been appropriate. But yeah, I sneaked them in. Like, Elizabeth's too good for them now. Like Brock does the music, the monster. Here's the weirdest pet peeve ever. I don't understand how Brock does what Brock does, which is we give him the track and say, Brock, we need the music. And then he turns it around in about four hours. And I don't understand how, because I know the tool that Brock is using and I know the materials that Brock's working from. And I can't do it. And Brock won't tell me what the secret source is. But I'm now in a situation with Brock where I'm like, cool, Brock, this might be a long one. And Brock's like, oh, yeah, that's three and a half hours or whatever. (laughs) I don't understand. To be fair, maybe he's sparing your feelings because if you pushed and were like, what are you doing? Uh, like he'd just be like you just need to be better mate like just, yeah alex just calm down you're just very extra and it doesn't need to be what's, all that. what's the phrase get good <laughs> you know what I, I fear you might be right on that one god what a, what a damning indictment <laughs> in my determination to chase a young man stealing a book i had apparently completely forgotten my age which returned all at once and i collapsed slightly on the stairs I began oh, to climb then, this slowly, is towards the top micro, of the bell tower. Yeah, bell tower. I have never been afraid lightning. of heights. But as I got higher and higher up those stairs, my head started to swim and my heart was beating so fast I was honestly worried that I was in danger of a heart attack. This wasn't an episode that was recorded Finally, in situ, was it? This was a the in the office of recording, right? I could I hear shouting from the bell I do not remember, room. to be Alex honest. Alex is very he unhappy with the reverb he's hearing here, like if that's the case. like a chant or a prayer. Most of it was in languages I didn't know, but I could make out the words Altiora, Vertigo. I think this might have been a corridor recording. Vast. If I it's a corridor recording, fine, Alex is doing his I job. If this is meant to be in the office, I am deeply ashamed oh, to have really no, held the I mean book that we like recorded this ward. in the office of different Martin's flat. Oh Martin my god, flat. I think you're right. That's a deep cut on early Alex. I think that might be real reverb instead of artfully crafted. Yeah, because there were only so many. There were only so many. There were only so many sleeping bags we could duct tape to the wall. Okay, so there was a phase where we had to record Martin R C T O. Martin with a Y. Yeah, we recorded in his not the one that Martin's named after. That's a different Martin, obviously. Keep up. So this was recorded in a corridor at the very, very top of like I don't think they were ex council, but effectively ex council flats. So like think city centre, but super, super, super high up. And they had a corridor that had no windows or anything that we could record in. And every day to make the recording work because the scheduling and so on, I would start my day like I would be up and going at four a.m. because I had to lug all the equipment there because we couldn't store it there so i'd get there for something like 6 a.m then do setup 
and do all of the tech setup and testing and so on so that we could start at nine. Then I'd arrive and we'd finish the setup because it was still going. <sighs> yeah, and then normally we'd finish by 12 because then we'd bounce straight onto gaming. So I'd finish at six, wrap down till eight, and then be home for like 11 because the trains would change. And that yeah. was my just, that was just a recording day, 4 a.m. till 11. <laughs> I remember that corridor, the light bulb that Martin had put in his corridor was like this disco rotating thing. The one that Martin deliberately put into his corridor. It was so great. I know if this is Martin Corridor, there were good chunks of this season recorded where people would deliberately put the disco light on and then record Scary Magnus with like it was proper fun. night fever disco lights yeah, going. Yeah, it's great. Also, I really liked this flat because out the windows you could see all the way to like the city of London and on a clear day... Well, not a, on a clear day, in inverted commas, you could just see this aura of smog around it. <laughs> it was grim. God, I, I forgot about those recordings. I was so extra. I put in so much. The amount of things that we have solved over the years with just brute force, just yeah. pouring time and effort in instead of being able to use anything else. I forget how much a difference the studio makes now. We've become content and lazy. You're right, we should get lean. We should be gone with all this frippery. Absolutely. Go back to recording into a polystyrene cup and some string, the way way God intended. (laughs) (laughs) I liked writing this episode as well, just because it's one of those, like, old-school kind of classic M.R. James-style ones where it's just like, oh, he is a bookseller who finds a sinister tome and a young man gets embroiled in this sinister tome, and he doesn't know exactly what happens, but he sees some strange things that he cannot explain. And it's just one of those, like, it's classic. It's... Okay, this sounds like a compliment, and it's meant strictly as a factual statement, Johnny. It's a good example of, like, timeless horror. Mm. Well, in as much as it is possible to have timeless horror. Okay, fair point. But all I'm getting at here is... Some of yeah. our stuff will date terribly because oh, it'll yeah. be like a reference or it'll be just a manner of speaking or a slang, whereas that one, I think, if I remember correctly, holds together quite well. But I'd have to re-listen all the way. Yeah. I think of it as old school. Well, no need to rush me. Oh, oh yes! Oh, yeah, I'm I sure knew this one was coming. In the world. Besides, look at this dusty old thing. Spect it needs time to warm up. You don't use it much anymore, do you? Tea? God, no. Hate the stuff. Why are you here? To make my statement, of course. I know the Institute and me haven't always seen eye to eye, as it were, but I thought it was the least I could do. Why now? Why not? Big changes are coming, Gertrude, and I have to think about leaving something for posterity. Fine. Subject is Mary Key, recorded 3rd of July, 2008. What is it regarding? What a question. I wonder. Plenty to choose from, I suppose. Take your time. Was this my mum's first recording? Of course, this was before he was collecting them, so back then it was just a strange book. God, I adored this recording session. I can't remember if it was your mum's first. I don't think it was. I think it might have been her second or third. I think her first was actually in your house, but it was, like, shoved in a corner because you'd just moved in. I think her first was the one about the Sinister Circus. Yeah, yeah, this was in the post-homeless phase. Yes, you are correct. But this one was still in Martin's flat, and I remember, yeah. because we had them in the corridor, and this was Carrie Cohen who plays Mary Yeah, King. oh, she's and great. Carrie just turned up and like we'd done the casting we're like yeah this this seems like someone who could do a good job she played like a few witches in tv series and things like that then we start recording and it came from nowhere <laughs> it was just like oh right should i sit down and give this a go then oh yeah if you would hello it's like oh there it oh. is and it was just every take was gold with these two absolute gold i've always enjoyed every time mum has to record with someone else She's always just in awe of them. And it's like, no, you you were really good too. 
And I remember, like, she came out of this and she's like, wasn't she good? Wasn't she good? Isn't she good? Yeah, I remember. It's like, so were you. You were very good. (laughs) But there was just... You see, there was an issue as well that not many people know is that we used to have all of the raw stored on basically an external hard drive that, long story short, as part of the whole, everything went to awfulness, like a few things got lost in the shuffle. I've still got hope that I could recover them, but there was a bunch of raw audio which is just your mum and Carrie shooting the breeze whilst we were doing all the tech setup. And they got into competitions of, like, cackling and things like that. That sounds like, about right. Absolutely gorgeous. And it was I was actively distraught when we lost that audio. I still have, like I said, hopes to bring it back, but this was genuinely one of my favourite. But we were... Oh, God, we were still recording using Big Bertha. Big Bertha is a Alessis Multimix... USB 2.0. It was a massive, massive mixing desk. And for a while in the podcasting sphere, it was the mixing desk. Like, I started the entire company with a 600 quid investment, which was in that mixing desk, and that was it. I had to save up for so long. Basically, it was the mixing desk, and they'd even discontinued it when we started, but I managed to get hold of it. And we had to stop periodically, because as with all tech in my life at the time, if it ran too long, it started to melt. (laughs) I remember how proud you were of the fact that you'd like you gotten like the last of this discontinued mixing desk that was so hard to get hold of, and it was worth every penny. But it was the fact that like. Wait, I just punished the poor Until thing. Until summer hit. Yeah, I just punished the poor thing. And then it was just, we had to take breaks. And it was like, oh, is this so that your actors can rest? It was like, they don't need rest. No. Actors, this no, my, it's so the equipment poor, can rest. My poor mixing deck. I actually still got it. It is still our backup, although I think now it's the backup of the backup. I could not part with it. because you say you're not sentimental. Not sentimental about all these flashy humans wandering around the place, but Bertha, like Bertha, I fully intend to put in a glass case somewhere. As <laughs> She's going to be buried alongside you. <laughs> it can't be on top, I'd get crushed. When he reached the entrance, he held up the book and placed it on the front door. What are you? I saw that cutaway panel of Mr. Spider's stained uh... and bloody right-hand door. And he knocked on it twice. This still I saw feels the words clearly in my mind almost more than I heard the sound. Feels like we made this like a knock, few months ago. Knock. I the door think opened, there is this feeling of real distinction between season two and season Against three. Against that darkness, I could see the thin grey strands wrapped around the limbs of my former bully. And then, from inside, stretched two impossibly yeah, long we're into, limbs. Yeah, because we're into the new music. You can tell because it doesn't have that and covered in coarse black Into the new hair. music, we'd started recording For a at, second, the there studio. was almost the start yeah. of a scream. But the legs wrapped around him too quickly and he disappeared Although you'll also the notice that the actual sight. total volume is lower because it over the years... There's a thing in the industry where basically it's gone. called the like war on loudness, which is where advertisers want to come in super, super, super loud so that mm. they grab your attention. But it can lead to issues at distribution. Wasn't it the old joke that like our opening and closing was like 400% louder than our actual episodes? It was, and it was meant to, and it did a good job at first, bridge the gap between these ludicrously loud ads versus the content. But then over the time, we've changed the way that we compress and the way that we do the audio so that now the vocals, if you compare season one vocals to later, if we were ever to do a remaster, season one would change radically just by virtual processing. Because I listened back to the early ones and I'm like, yeah, they're nice, but we cheated so much. Mm. It's stuff like, we have a tape deck. Why do we have a tape deck? Yeah, it sounds good. It also covers all manner of sins in the earlier seasons. Why do we have the tape EQ? So that I can strip out frequencies that at the time we could not record. I remember when I was first pitching Magnus and I mentioned, like, I really wanted this, like, tape hiss, tape recorder aesthetic. And I could see your shoulders, like, visibly sag in relief. Oh, yeah. We physically were unable to do what we do now for audio. It was possible. We didn't have the tools or equipment or time or anything like that. And so much of... And this is just art in general, isn't it? So much of the creative decision-making will be tied to not just what's cool, but, you know, what's feasible, what works. What can we do? Yeah, you're actively creating not very well if you don't. You've got to play to what you can make. And Magnus is so much not just determined by its time, but... I truly believe that Magnus was a thing that anyone could have made from ground zero. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we didn't have anything really in place. But they didn't. We did. So suck it. <laughs> but you know what I mean, though? Like, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. later Magnus, yeah, is a thing that you can listen to and go, God, I don't really know how they did that. Wow. But early seasons of Magnus really was just a labor of love. And it's like, okay, Alex, we need to have this sound effect. I don't know how to do that. I guess I'll go on Google and look up Foley or something. To a certain degree, what I pitched to you originally was something that I'd kind of been intending to try and get made regardless. So there was an aspect where it was like, oh, um, sorry, I just I just heard Sasha. Sorry, Georgie at the end. Oh, yeah. A bit. I mean, I can't exactly pay you anything. I thought it's fine. To be honest, it's nice. Oh gosh, yeah, because uh, he was in the flat, wasn't he, at that time? Yeah. But so, like, I think a lot of the initial concept was me thinking, like, well, if I have to actually just go away and like find a way to just make this, what is like the simplest thing that I could possibly make? And I honestly think that's one of the reasons when I went, I want to do a huge number of episodes. You didn't go. Nah, piss off. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, we had a big talk because you wanted to make a bunch and was like, that's a lot. I remember actively saying, I want a long-running show. That's a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. But it was because you'd already done your legwork. I've heard over the years a lot of people pitch stuff. Yours is still high up there in... (laughs) This isn't a very sexy way of describing it. Most sensible? Yeah, well... Where you just rocked up and went, okay, we could do this because of this. I've, I've got this because of this, this because of this. And it was just like, okay, yeah, like, that makes sense. We can do that. Yeah, I don't think I've had anyone pitch it as such a, oh, it'll be easy, as much as you Love did. Love to be a sensible creator. <laughs> right. Right. Keep saying it's not meant to trip whenever one bulb goes, but no, John, I don't want to bother the landlord. Oh, Jess is coming! <sighs> you don't want to do that! Oh, yeah, yeah, she is. I mean... You can if you really want to, but you're not going to like it. Sometimes, not being able to see something is actually quite a good thing. Who are you? Well, my father called me Nicola, and then I killed him. (laughs) So I thought I rather deserved to have his second name too, which makes me Nicola Orsinov. Pleased to meet you at last. You, um, you killed Gregor Orsinov. Yep. He got really boring, and I'm a monster. I mean, <laughs> Good line. what do you want me to do? Not pull him apart? Oh, Jess. I remember when I pitched the character, you were like, oh, this might be a tricky one to cast. And I was like... Tricky one to cast, and you went, I've already cast it. I was like, no, mate, I know he's playing this. <laughs> Actually, interestingly, I don't know if you're aware of this, this episode specifically, the segments from it, got really big on TikTok with the Clowncore crowd. Sorry, there are some assumptions of baseline knowledge you're making of me there that I I don't have. Okay, I now have a decent number of people in the company whose job it is to make me aware of things like this. So, Clowncore (laughs) is a subculture of people who basically do the, like, scary clown thing as, like, an aesthetic, whether it's cosplay or events or whatever, right? Right, right, right. A bunch of our audio is now circulating on TikTok because it's a good one for people to lip sync to and cosplay to and things like that. Yeah, I've never really got the whole lip sync to audio on TikTok thing. I know it's just me being like an old man, but... I'm Johnny Sims. I'm one of the few people who makes more podcasts than uh, on TikTok. (laughs) But no, in in all seriousness, it's because a fairly prominent clown core costumer, very good actually, really, really good, basically used a bunch of Magnus audio with no idea of context and just said, I found this really cool audio on TikTok and it was just perfect. And it was the knock, knock, uh, you know, I am plastic and blah, blah, blah. And then off the back of that, this entire sub-community kind of stumbled onto Magnus. That's fascinating. But it's just such a good example of, like, the ways that I have heard people become aware of it are becoming increasingly tangential. The, like, just the ripples and the tides of the internet are fascinating. But yeah, I'm, I'm not doing enough justice to Jess here. It was a fabulous performance, and it was another one where she just rocked up and did it. I'll be honest, there are a few... There are sometimes characters that I have written, and then like I'll realise partway through that I am writing for someone. Yeah. And like to a certain degree, that was actually Gertrude. Like It was that yeah, thing no, where we were having actually. trouble casting her. And I was like, 
oh no, hang on, I'm reading this in my mum's voice. Yeah. Let's get her into, like, give it a shot. I forgot we really did struggle to cast Gertrude, because honestly, it wasn't intended. It wasn't like, oh, and I'd really like my mum to play Gertrude. Like, we didn't even broach that until we'd actively... Same with my dad playing Leitner. Like, in both cases, it was after, like maybe a month, month and a half of like trying to figure out, well, who who can we get to play? And logistically, it was just really tricky and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But retrospectively, obviously, I'm really glad it panned out like that. The idea that it's Gertrude's your mother and uh, Lightning's your father is really nice. It's fun on a meta level as well. But no, Jess is one of my absolute favourite people. Brilliant friend. And I've been working with her creatively in one degree or another for like... Must be going on 10, 12 years now, so uh, it was very much like... I first met her through Mechanisms. Yeah. Fundamentally, I was writing this, and like as soon as this character came up, I was like, yeah, that one's for Jess. Yeah, God. Sorry, I'm just having a bit of a blast from the past. Jess actually also has a uh, uncredited part in Magnus, which no, I don't think many people know. I'm not sure I do. I probably do Coffin know Coffin Song. Oh, we did. A, yeah, we had course. to do a sequence we where around. it was you singing, me singing... But we all had to do the ooh. Oh, yeah, I, feel, I remember she got very irate because she is a professional singer and was, uh, and it was quite a slapdash recording. <laughs> well, the issue is that she was too soprano as well. I was like, you're coming in real big. and <laughs> It smelt awful on the floor. And as the pink form began to move towards me, my resolve started to waver. It was far too heavy to be supported by its skinny twig-like legs but something still propelled it slowly forward, inch by inch. That familiar pink drool leaving a thin path for the enormous body to follow. Oh, pig! on top of me. Pig! Oh, is it pig? Pig! And gritted my teeth, waiting to feel the pain of it starting to tear into my flesh. You're right! Monster pig! I felt it. (laughs) It's monster pig! next to me. I love Monster The meat of it sinking into the spaces left by my position. It was pressing up against me and let out the most contented sound I have ever heard from a pig. The message could not have been clearer. Friend. Monster Pig was weird. Monster Pig was such a weird episode pitch. I love Monster Pig. I remember one of my housemates at the time who who was listening to Magnus after that one dropped, talked to me and was like, you do know that's really funny. And I was like, no, mate. I wrote a horror story about the world's biggest pig. And no idea it was going to be comical. Although, like, I think it was one that I was quite deliberately trying to, like ride that line because fundamentally yeah, yeah. comedy is a fail state of horror and horror is a fail state of some comedy it's a really interesting line to try and thread to try and keep it so that like something is funny but also grotesque mm. i think the, like which side it falls is almost entirely down to the listener like i know that some people have been like oh that pig freaked me right the hell out this is a blast from the past. I actually did a bunch of academic work on this. So I did a master's with the Central School of Speech and Drama for writing for stage and broadcast media. Very good course, I'd recommend. It was wonderful and is the only reason I got this far because a lot of it was just like, you've got to actually write. <laughs> if you don't write, you're not a writer. That was a significant chunk of the course that sunk in. But part of it was I had to do a bunch on... Yeah, the grotesque in comedy and yeah. how it interacts with horror. So there was a lot of stuff like Blue Jam and things like that. Oh, Blue Jam. <laughs> yeah, Blue Jam's weird. and Brilliant, but also like... Yeah, very whoa. odd. And so as a result, yeah, Pig. Pig definitely hits that note for me where at the end of it, it wasn't like, oh no, what have we done or anything? But it was just like, this is an odd one. Yeah. But in a way that was good because part of Magnus as well is you can't... I mean, Podcasting 101, everyone wants infinite amounts of the same content that's yep. also consistently fresh and new every yep. week. I mean, all, all you have to do is give exactly the same thing. You lose audience if you change, you lose audience if you stay. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's the eternal struggle, and Pig was a really, really nice one, because, yeah, you've got Piper and things like that, which are just like straight down the line, this is scary stuff. And then Pig, 
or episode 100. Uh, Mr. Spider as well. Scary as anything, but I also count as an unusual one. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I always feel the fact that Mr. Spider is so consistently up there in terms of everyone's, like, favourite episodes. Yeah, when yeah. I'm just like, it's a scary kids book. It's horror on easy mode. Like, I would have really <laughs> struggled to not make that one really scary. You know? Whereas I feel like Pig... I'm like, no, this one's, this is me trying an expert level horror run. And I don't think I'll land everything, but like, I'm proud that I gave it a go. You have been good at giving me fair warning where it's like, hey, FYI, I've got one coming up. It's going to be difficult to stick the landing because you've set yourself challenges before because the door one as well was one way you want where you're just like, I just want to do a scary door with no addition, just a scary door. That's my challenge. So Pig was always hitting that note. I really did toy around with, is there a way to work Pig into season five as a giant like (laughs) kaiju striding Uh, across the landscape? But it just... It was not to be. Yeah, I wish we could have got it together, though. Just the idea of Monster Pig just striding around, not actually doing anything, just there. Just vibing. Always appealed to me. <laughs> Five, six, four, eight. Oh, four, interesting. Six, four, seven, four, eight. It's the extinction. Two, yeah. Seven. With each new number, my blood pounded and my heart raced. Though I didn't have the faintest this idea guy? what they might have meant. I don't know. Get rid I of actually him. brought a notebook and pen. I now this isn't me reading a scary story. So no wonder the waveform's horrible. Four hours I spent patiently jotting down <laughs> I the hadn't even clocked that like, maybe I was spotting that your, your voice looked different on the waveform. The you are, and um, so part of it will be that I deliberately pitch up to hit the EQ better. So I actually come out consistently a little bit louder for you, but we we kind of compensate for it. Like a wave, leaving me reeling and dizzy. It took me a moment to realise how late it was, and how sunburned I had gotten in the process. Everything ached, and my heart pounded as I limped home. I'd been out easily twice as long as any time before. I'm really surprised this one was selected. Actually, it's the first one that like really grabs the idea of the extinction which like landed a lot stronger than i think either of us expected you know what that's fair actually yeah it is an early extinction one because everyone knows this at this point that i dive down like research rabbit holes occasionally just fall deep and i'm like Ooh. oh same same and number stations for me was a real fascination for a long time admittedly prior to this recording but... i have a suspicion you might have actually like not exactly asked but I suggested number stations. I don't remember if I was like, yep, already got it planned, or like, yeah, I can definitely do a number station one. I don't remember. I remember suggesting it because I really wanted to do a number station one, and I'm glad mm. how this one came out. Yeah. Number station's just odd. There's a few things that I just fell down the rabbit hole of because I just find them inherently creepy. Number stations, water towers. There's just something inherently creepy about water towers. They're just scary. They're like these massive tripods that just loom everywhere and everyone ignores. I really enjoyed this because it's nice to experiment with the format occasionally and I like this one because it gave a little bit of homework because I used basically the world's simplest crypto code the world's simplest code with the numbers and like eventually some people decoded it and it like I think it was like the world is always ending or something like that Oh, I don't know that people decoded it. I never yeah, got no, that message. Yeah, people decoded it. Like, it was a very simple cipher. It's one of those things where, like, it's not in and of itself a particularly, like, terrifying message. But actually putting in that work always makes it hit harder. And so I was, I was very yeah, gratified yeah, yeah. to see that to see that coming out. Well, it makes me think, actually, we did for a while, and this, this is something that I can talk about now because we, we know it's not a thing, is we talked about whether we should do, like, ARG stuff tied to this. Oh, and- yeah. I feel like I've always been just on the edge of making an ARG. Yeah. You know, like every creative project I do could theoretically include an ARG, but they just, they never have. And Oh, sorry, for anyone who won't know, Augmented Reality Game, it's one where, like, I don't know, there's a code, and if you call that number in the real world, you'll get access to a recording that'll tell you to go to a GPS location in the real world, blah, blah, blah. But They were we huge just, we just, in the noughties. Yeah, we discussed it, and logistically we realised that we could do that, but it would actively negatively impact 
the podcast because it would be such a heavy draw on time. Yeah. And I think at this point we realised that just from writing alone, putting it together, it just wasn't feasible. I know since that someone's done it, actually, there's been a couple of podcasts that are doing quite well that really heavily tie into the ARG element and have a reactive story based on how far people get. More power to you. That's a very impressive achievement. That's been a trend in internet horror i've been like not exactly following but like periodically encountering that's really fascinating for a while like it goes i mean the earliest versions of that i'm aware that were widespread were a lot of the early slender man things like every man hybrid 12 tribes all that sort of stuff they leaned very heavily into this arg element with like mm. viewers getting packages and all this sort of yeah thing. yeah yeah Maxwell told me it is in our nature to fear the dark, and I could not disagree. For all my intellectual reverence of it, I could not deny that those few occasions I had found myself in full and proper darkness. My heart had trembled, and rightly so, he said, for our oh, creatures of the light, contemptible and corrupt. Surely then this fear of confronting the pure nature of the universe is right and good. I don't Surely this, this fear of the dark... It's Manuela's statement, the one before they actually meet her. That is words I felt afraid. And my heart soared in terror and elation as my eyes brimmed with tears. For I knew he spoke the truth. So we began to work together, to worship together in his church. The only church I've ever felt I truly belonged to. Yeah, I confess, a lot of the dark wonderful. ones blur together for me, pun intended. Like, yeah, it's I think always been the power that we've struggled the most to properly make as scary as it should be. It's just so frustrating because it's so easy in cinema. Unsurprisingly, perhaps in an audio medium, uh, the fear of the dark is harder to convey. But I love going on a weird, off-kilter, cultish, religious screed. Love it. I'm sure I never noticed that before, Johnny. Yeah. This one specifically, I can lay almost entirely down to the excellent podcast Apocrypals, uh, getting me massively into Gnosticism. There's a period, there's like a stretch of like 20, 25 episodes. That's such a use statement, Johnny. Oh, you're still on Catholicism. No, I've, I've moved on to Gnosticism now. It's, it's all the rage. There's a run of like 20, 25 episodes in season four where you could see that I was just going down this massive Gnostic rabbit hole research-wise. So here's a question then. Do you remember when you stopped being afraid of the dark? I've never asked this question of you. As in, uh, like, in my actual life-life. Like, was there a formative experience? Yeah, because there's some of the powers that I know, like, from our, like, chats or whatever, like, this speaks to you on this level or whatever, whatever. But for the dark, I've never actually asked. Like, is there anything that the dark formatively attaches to you in any way? I mean, I definitely was afraid of the dark as, like, a child child. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you are, aren't you? At some point, it swapped from being afraid of the dark to being... Not exactly afraid of my thoughts in the dark. Oh, more like a solipsistic thing. Yeah, like, if I got into, like, a particularly scary or weird thought cycle, I found that I had to, like, turn on the light to kind of dispel it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was that thing of, like, without any visual stimulus, my brain would just sort of go on these, like, almost like low-key panic attack. Not actual, but, like, that sort of loop. I wonder if that comes out in the writing, actually, because now I'm thinking about it, I can't think of any shared victimhood in the dark. I know that there's been, like, multiple cult members at once, but has there ever been a, more than one victim simultaneously suffering to the dark? I don't think there has. Not really. There was the shadows that tore that dude's head off under the church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget the name of the surviving witness there, but there were two people there, and one of them got their head off. It's just thinking, because, like, some of them obviously lend themselves to, like, more people and less and so on. It's just, yeah, I've just realised with the dark, I never asked you. I never never dug in on that specific one. I think it is one of those things that, at this point, I find the dark to a certain degree a comfort in a lot of scenarios. And, like, I don't know, something about working night shift it for, does like, change two years, you. you know? You just kind of get used to it. But it is still odd. It is still odd thinking back to you and me knowing each other pre-Magnus just having met randomly at the night yeah. work. That's so odd to me. It's one of those things where it's like it's not as random as it sounds because like James Ross, I think, was the reason that we'd both gotten this like weird night shift gig. Yeah. It was a good gig for creatives. We were already in the same sort of circles. Mm. 
Hello, John. Apologies for the deception, uh, but I wanted to make sure you yeah. started reading, so I thought it best not to announce myself. I'm assuming you're alone. You always did prefer to read your statements in private. I wouldn't try too hard to stop reading. There's every likelihood you'll just hurt yourself. So just listen. Now, shall we turn the page and try again? Statement of Jonah Magnus regarding Jonathan Sims, the archivist. Statement begins. I hope you forgive me the self-indulgence, but I have worked so very hard for this moment, the culmination of two centuries of work. It's rare that you get the chance to monologue through the voice of another, and you can't tell me you're not curious. We're listening to, for everyone's benefit, you're listening to Johnny, okay, reading the character John. Oh, is this me? I'd completely... Oh, you... Bear with me. What a... Channeling... Ben Meredith playing Elias, bearing in mind that Ben Meredith's Elias is Ben Meredith's impression of Johnny. <laughs> it's such a looped recursive nonsense. Such a recursive mess. Yeah, this was a nice pitch. I remember you pitching this. This was a nice idea yeah. for an episode. Really, really clever. It was oh, the the exact. <laughs> That's me. It's the biggest compliment I can give you, mate. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely aware that sensible is the biggest compliment you can give, and I am also deeply amused by the implications of that. But yeah, no, I remember that the like how we were going to do this drop, this change, was something we'd been going back and forth on for like three and a half seasons before we finally settled. Oh yeah. My original idea was actually that this happened... 12 episodes into season 5 the idea that there was like a false resolution at the end of season 4 and like the first 10 or so episodes of season 5 were just this entirely dead end, not exactly a waste of time but like a complete fake out and then this happens a third of the way through the season and then the rest is just what the whole of season 5 ended up becoming because, yeah, we did so many permutations of what Season 5 could look like. We had yeah. Season 5 is all the apocalypse, which is obviously what we ended up with. We had Season 5 is a halfway fake-out and suddenly it's there. We had Season 5 is going to be all apocalypse, but only 12 episodes. Like, we tried a few... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, like, I think it came in at 15 or something. Yeah, so, well, I mean, fundamentally, a lot of it came down to the fact that we weren't sold on being able to maintain an interesting apocalypse for a full 40 episode season it's a tall order it's difficult yeah and to be fair i think some audience might say that we haven't managed it i think enough would say that we've done a decent job it's given us permission to go experimental in a new way i'm glad of the attempt and i know that sounds like a cop-out but i am i would have always wondered what if if we'd picked any other option than just doubling down because we really had to compress the story structure in season four a lot to make apocalypse happen at end of season four well there's so much plot in season four but at the same time like i don't think it actually feels rushed yeah i think there were i'm trying to remember i remember there were elements that we considered exploring that we deliberately lifted out but i can't for the life of me remember what they are which says a lot it's a weird one because of how the like the overall structure works with like each season being more and more character-driven and less and less about the specifically the statements themselves. As it goes on, more story goes less far, you know? Mm. Until we hit season five where it takes a sideways leap and suddenly it's focusing, at least for the first like half, it's focusing a lot on the hellscapes with like character moments to contrast. But yeah, it was an ambitious change and I'm, I'm very glad that we did it. So what's the deal with you two anyway? It's an odd situation, yeah. but not a complicated ah, Ray. one. Hello, Shortly Ray! I decided what to stay here. Stunner. She arrived, wandered in from the chaos out there, and told me she was going to stay with me. I didn't get this far by pitting myself against the web, so I welcomed her in. And? And sometimes she cooks. She cooks. I don't know what you want me to say. It's a big house and I don't see her much. Can't even say which corner she's made her nest in. Whatever she's doing, 
All I can do is hope it doesn't wreck my little oasis. And if it does, then I hope that by keeping her in good graces, she'll at least do me the courtesy of killing me first. <laughs> anyway, let us talk of happier things. Or perhaps just take a moment to enjoy not being out there. You are, of course, welcome to stay as long as you like. Took ages to land on the voice actor for Salesa, but Ray was such a joy to work with. Lowry really came through finding Ray. Weirdly, Salesa in this oasis was one of my earliest solid ideas I had for the season five apocalypse. I am so happy with how that came out. Yeah. I am so happy because it was really difficult to get the casting through and then there were equipment problems and we had to ship it out to Australia and then the timing problems and just from a logistic standpoint that episode should not exist and certainly it was hard work but I'm so happy with the end result like it's really one of my favorite bits. I, I, th- I think even by the time we were rem- we were recording piecemeal which is Salesa's first, like, appearance. And you were telling me that I had to make it, like, 100% less sweary. It was all F-bombs <laughs> all the time, first draft of piecemeal. US uh, markets, they don't like it. <laughs> I was just like, he's, he's a very sweary man, Alex. <laughs> but, like, right from the start, I like I had this idea of Salesa as this, like, just very practically-minded character. And, like, as soon as we started talking about the apocalypse and i was like well we need to have like this rest in the center yeah absolutely and like as soon as we said i was like salesa's gonna be in there well structurally as well like you have to remember in mind is that season five was written then pandemic hit salesa was originally meant to be they basically dropped to the floor in front of him mid-season break because originally we were just we were trying to toy around with yeah just have the mid-season break and go for it so from my perspective it was the wonderful landing on the lap, oh, hello, and then off we go for the break. So it still feels slightly odd to me structurally. I can't complain because we don't deserve it to have come out as nice as it did Yeah, with all of the struggle, with all of the fight to make that episode happen. And Ray was an absolute stunner to work with. For me, it was all secondhand stress, but I remember how much stress there was for Lowry and you, like trying to get everything set up and finding the right actor and like once once found ray like getting the equipment and getting everything sorted and like every time we talked it was like oh stress 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 this new like little disaster and then i like i got on the call and ray started talking and i was like ah brilliant bullseye we've got it (laughs) and it was another one where it was literally i think the only note was stuff like it was either like speed up or slow down on a couple of bits that was it Ray was just great, straight out the gate. It was genuinely one, like you say, where the stress levels were so high going into that recording because it needed to be grand. And the second that Ray started talking, it was just like, ah, I'm in an oasis. Good, yes. Yes, take us into the oasis. Yes, please. <laughs> and on that nice, chill oasis now, I actually think I think we've is, come is to the it? end of it. Is That's that it? it. There's not, yeah, that, no, you're right. There are no more coming. That huh. flew by. That really did. But when they were like, oh, we've got a blast from an past. hour of clips. I was like, oh, that's going to take a while. But no, it's, it's been a delight. I'll tell you what, then. We'll just sit and just listen listen to all of them, right? Once we're done, we'll yeah, just no, listen okay. to all well, let's, let's, 200. Let's, let's just, let's, uh, let's maybe, I've got to go to dinner. All right, yeah, you go go to dinner. We'll see what we've got coming up next week, but I think we'll call it there then. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this little retrospective. Obviously, we've got more uh, hiatus content coming up, but uh, thanks for your time. Anything you want to add, Johnny, before we bounce off? Not really. I'm I'm still like, it's weird to hear like five years of your life and writing (laughs) like condensed into an hour. It's it's disorientating, but (laughs) I think I liked it. Well, either way, we'll talk to you all later. Bye. <laughs> we were a voice the archivist. Probably should have picked someone else. This episode is distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution non-commercial share-alike 4.0 international license. For more information, visit rustyquill.com. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill. Visit us on Facebook or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Thanks for listening. 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.